All right. So we had a question from last week that Brajhari, um, we kind of ran out of time. So let's start with that one. Uh, let me pull my notes here. Okay. So Brajhari is asking, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu 1.1.46 says, you use logic to establish one Siddhanta today, but a more intelligent and qualified logician will be able to refute it tomorrow. And then Jaiva Dharma says, I have spent much of my life in useless arguments and debate. Now, without wasting any more time, I long to dedicate myself to the feet of Sri Gaurahari. On the other hand, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Adilila 2.117 says, A sincere student should not neglect the discussion of such conclusions, considering them controversial, for such discussions strengthen the mind. Thus, one's mind becomes attached to Sri Krishna. So then Brajhari asks, what are those discussions and debates that you think we should ignore and which ones we should address? Thank you. I think that the uh, <clears throat> earlier citations from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and Jaiva Dharma, I'd have to look, but I, I, uh, I would assume that <clears throat> they were speaking about uh, cable yukti and cable yukti means reasoning and logic unto itself. Um, as the Vedanta Sutra says, Tarko Pratishtanat. Whenever gets any real standing, Pratishta, through logic alone, because one logic can always be overridden by another logic and that logic by another logic and so on and so forth. So such as the subtle subtle nature of mind and intellect and thought and so on and so forth. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, the verdict of the, of the sutras is, well, rather than trying to come to a, arrive at conclusive and perfect knowledge through logic, it's an imperfect means. Therefore, we should rely on revelation. <clears throat> so that is one <clears throat> excuse me, division. Um, and then we come to, you know, uh, cable division being cable yukti or just um, logic unto itself, reason unto itself. And then there's shastra yukti, which means reasoning about the conclusions of the, of revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, you could uh in a modern sense uh describe philosophy which is not hinged to revelation or the idea that there is a revealed knowledge as cable yukti and theology on the other hand um which is linked to some form of revelation whether it be the abrahamic a biblical revelation or you know or the Eastern, um, in either case, there's an acceptance of revelation and there's a reasoning about its implications and uh, reasoning about the meaning and significance of scripture in comparison to our observations and so on and so forth. That, in a broad sense, would be called theology. Um, there's other ways to define the terms uh, as, as well, but um there uh, there was a point in in modern history where 
reasoning became unhinged from um, from from revelation and so <clears throat> that's one uh way of answering your question and um, um what Chaitanya Charitamrita refers to is is Shastra Yukti, so reasoning about the conclusions of the scripture. <clears throat> that statement that you cite from, from Chaitanya Charitamrita comes in relation to a very significant uh, philosophical point, kind of a cornerstone of the entire uh, philosophy uh, that Godi Vaishnavism um, rests upon. <clears throat> and that is the uh, the, the, uh, the part of the line, uh, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. So this is the second chapter of uh, the Adi Lila, and Krishna's Kaviraj is seeking to establish through scriptural support and reasoning about the implications of what the scriptures have said that Krishna is the fountainhead of all forms of divinity. And, and Jiva Goswami has referred to this statement of the Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is the Paribhas Sutra, kind of like the 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 um, password to, you know, entering the program, if you will. Um, so it's a very much, a, like I say, a cornerstone of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I, I've said in the past that if Krishna is not the source of Narayan, and the converse is true that Narayan, Krishna is but an incarnation of Narayan, then he would be an incarnation that appears in this world and um, performs his lila, but doesn't have a loka of his own. One of the significant features of uh, Sanatana Goswami's Brihat Bhagavatamrita, which is our, you know, our first book of our Sampradaya, seminal text, what the essence of the Bhagavatam is, has two cantos. The first canto is, you know, what uh, form of devotion is the recipient of the greatest mercy that affords the greatest intimacy with Bhagavan. And, um, of course, the protagonist there is Narada Muni, who's in Sakirasa. Um, um and uh and the conclusion is the gopis bhav you know of of of, of braj in the second canto the protagonist is also a saka gopakumar and the second uh canto is the goloka mahatmya so w- this is the highest love where where do you find it mm-hmm. so it's the glories of goloka that's where you find it. and the implications that that that, that in order for that to take place, well, it's not going on in Vaikuntha, where Narayan, in terms of all of his avatars, is served in Dasya Bhakti or Shanta, Shanta Bhakti, Shanta Rasa. Hmm. Sometimes it's thought that there's, there's a half of Sakya possible there, um, but um, obviously not the full face of Sakya by any means or full face of Madhurya or Vatsalya and so forth. So, um, again, if Krishna is not the, if Krishna is an avatar of, of Narayan, then this is a face of, that Narayan shows at times, but um, 
it, the relationship of one worshiping Krishna in that with that understanding would still be Dasya Bhakti to Narayan, hmm? who has an avatar like this sometimes, who has an avatar like that sometimes, and another one, and so on and so forth. So it's a very just just to emphasize this point for a moment, it's one way of there are another number of other ways of of underscoring the importance of this idea that Krishna is the fountainhead of all avatars and with in relation to our whole philosophy. But this is the point the that, that Krishna Das is making and it's controversial because, well, you know, the other main stream Sampradayas, Ramanuja, Madhva, they are um, teaching otherwise. Um, and here, Krishna Das Kaviraj, you know, we consider him one of the founding acharyas. He's trying to make the argument of the Goswamis in, in Bengali to the common people. And, you know, for Gaudiya Vaishnavism and this point, right at the beginning, he comes out very strong about. So, where do you, where you, the question now should, let's take it like this, the question, where within Shastra Yukti, reasoning about the implications of Shastra, hmm, where within that should we persist and make an argument and, 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 and reason, and where should we leave off and just do bhajan? We should leave off cable yukti, hmm? that we've explained. But to refine the question, and it's probably um, uh, what's on your mind, um, within Shastra yukti, where does it become a, a waste of time or... Uh, the time could be better spent chanting, chant and know. I mean, that, that's teaching. Well, one of the ways to think about this, of course, is that the Siddhanta, the, the philosophical, the theological conclusions are only as useful as, as they, um, serve as an impetus for us to engage in the, uh, uh spiritual practices. Study of the scripture, according to Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, at the end of the Gita, I think it's maybe 1870 or 71, 18th chapter, 70th or 71st verse, where he speaks about studying the Gita. Hmm. One who studies this teaching inside out, upside down, backwards, and so forth and so on, worships me by his intelligence. So this is considered Gyan Yagya, the sacrifice of, of, of Gyan. Now it is Sambandha Gyan, knowledge about Krishna. Hmm. Which is part of part of bhakti, um, but again, it, what is the purpose of even sambanda? It's to orient us in such a way that that orient such an orientation philosophically, conceptually, that fosters the abhideya of bhakti, the practices, which gives rise to the prayojan, the goal. Right. So we have to look in a broader sense. That our studying of the scripture, um, understanding its argument, well, understanding its argument will strengthen our own uh, practice because our intelligence will become convinced, hmm, and um, therefore it, it won't be working against us. So it, 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 that's its, you know, its its its, its purpose. That the, the intelligence is fixed, and therefore one applies oneself effectively and and one minded. Lee, if you should, if you will, 
in uh, in the practices of, for example, primary practice, chanting the holy name. So as I often say, use your head to soften your heart. So, uh, you know, the example that you're citing is with uh, where Krishna is advocating, don't shy away from this, is with regard to a very central, central philosophical point, hmm? right, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, a core point, not a refined, subtle detail that might be argued one way within the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, might be argued another way within the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Maybe it could be different opinions about it. Uh, it's not that kind of a point that he's talking about. And so there is a place, I think, I'm, I'm quite sure, within Gaudiya Vaishnavism where um, argumentation over the philosophy with other Gaudiyas is not very, may, may not be useful, may be counterproductive. Hmm? And one has to gauge it a little bit themselves to see. Uh, obviously, the, it, our intellect needs to be, and everyone has a different type of intellect, but it, it, regardless, it needs to be answered. It needs to be quieted. It, it needs to be pacified. Um, and so, you know, I think we need as much as uh, uh, study of the scripture and arguing over the, you know, argue, I don't mean argument, I mean argue, but reasoning uh, about the implications, the meaning and so forth to uh, satisfy our mind. And part of that reasoning will be that we'll come to as well, the philosophy is, you know, is, is an imperfect attempt to uh, present in thought and word that which we're seeking that is beyond thought and word. And so <laughs> you have to also come to this reasoning, right? That, well, it doesn't matter that much. If this little point doesn't fit or why that point doesn't quite fit, that's that's a given if you understand the teaching properly. Hmm? We think the philosophy is very good and we can defeat everybody, but, you know, it, it, it has its weak points, it has its strong points in relation to different arguments and so on and so forth um, in the world. Um, but... Um, I'm kind of presenting a broader idea. We have to be artful in our practice and the study of scripture should facilitate that. It, there can be a study of the scripture that, that doesn't constitute practice at all. If it doesn't go into our heart and motivate us to change and, and, uh, um, um, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, I'll give you a, an example of something. That, uh, that they may, may um, help to answer this question. Uh, years ago, when this big argument arose um, within ISKCON, Rodiamath, um, and other 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 party bars, um, whether or not the jiva falls from Goloka Vrindavan. Or, or, you know, by Kunta, hmm? right? Because Prabhupada sometimes said, you know, yes, sometimes he said no, right? And a lot of his disciples grew up thinking, yep, we fall from there, we have free will, you know, it's not Krishna's fault, we did it, it's our fault. And, and then that was just kind of something that they had, where they had imbibed it. And then when the idea that you can't fall from my Kunta started to be presented, it, it, it seemed problematic. And um, I remember Satya Narayan, he made a, was in ISKCON at the time, 
and he was uh, working on the Sundarbas for the BBT, and this point came up, and he took the stance to supporting the Sundarbas, you don't fall. And, and some of the BBT uh, trustees, they took exception to that, and that's what the, this, this became a huge controversy. He wrote his book, Not Even the Leaves Fall from Baikunta. He was excommunicated for Iskon, from Iskon for his position, and so on and so forth, which I, I, don't, what the, I don't think was the right thing to do at all. But with regard to this issue, somewhere in that time period, it was presented to promote Puri Goswami Maharaj. Hmm? And, and what he said was, well, you know, this is nothing to break up a mission over. It's a fairly significant point. I mean, I could make a case that it's a pretty important point that you don't fall from the look and I could give pretty good reasoning and scriptural representation and, and you don't. <laughs> um, but there's ways of talking about it too when you talk about when you get into an Adi uh, and, and so on and so forth um, and you say the original position is Krishna consciousness well what's meant by original probably use that term and so forth so anyway the point of, of Puri Maharaj is relative to your question should this you know break up a movement should this cause me to leave Gaudiya Vaishnavism Give up my guru, uh, you know, uh, Purimarj uh, d- didn't give it that kind of a rating at all, as far as a, you know, um, a philosophical point. Hmm? And you have to think about it. Um, uh, I mean, um, it's a point that you might not even think one way or another about, not even entered your mind, and you chant Hare Krishna. And, and and you go back to Godhead, you know, or to Godhead. <laughs> so, um, so I think that uh, you know we can't just litigate and say you can only these points and not these points and and so forth. But in the broad sense, we have to have a little feeling for our sadhana and for Vaishnavism. You know, if we if we think our, our guru is saying this, I'm saying this. I give up my guru because he's saying this. Meanwhile, his guru was saying the same thing. I mean, you know, like you take the case with, well, a related point of it's Bhakti inherent or not. Well, Bhakti Vinod was pretty sure that it was, was his point. So uh, should I give up Bhakti Vinod because someone else is arguing strongly the other way? No, especially if I have arguments for the matter, that matter to support Bhakti Vinod, which, you know, we, we, we do. But, um, um, yeah, you saw anyway, uh, you have to, understand the, the goal the goal of the study of the scripture is to is to give us strength for pursuing our practice so if it's taking away from our ability to practice then we're probably arguing unnecessarily and it's getting it's getting in the way hmm? and sometimes sometimes it may be that some philosophical points you can't digest and and you and and it doesn't matter how well they're explained to you other people may be explained to other devotees, then I have a problem with it. But for you, because the way your intellect works, it doesn't work. It may be best just to put it down. Try to put it down and, and, and think of the things that are actually true. Am I this body? I don't think, I don't, I think I'm not for sure. I have experienced that I'm not. May, I might know that I'm not by such, such experience. So let me gravitate towards that. And, and do I have, have I felt ecstasy from this that's, that's otherworldly? From chanting, yes, okay, I'm gonna stick with that. <laughs> that, and I can't answer all these questions, or it doesn't matter. Let's put them on the shelf, and in time, you know, 
that may not need to have them answered, they may may be answered and so forth. So you have to, I think, make a determination based on how much scriptural study, scriptural argumentation or reasoning is fostering and facilitating your, your preaching. Like for myself, um, you know, I had an appetite for understanding of philosophy largely because, uh, you know, I was, I'm kind of a natural, you know, preacher, teacher. It's kind of just natural for me. And so I used to go out and sell books and I would talk to people and I'd run into arguments. I never went to school. You know, I didn't get an education. I learned about things from talking to people. Hmm? Someone would be talking to me and make an argument and I'd argue back as best I could to sell him the book and he would have referenced another book. Then I'd go buy that book and read it, you know, later on, you know, see what they're saying. And so that's kind of what I'm like. So I was used, used to use the study of the scripture for good, giving good arguments for the veracity of the, you know, the value of the the truth in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In later years, it came within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I found, oh, there's opposition to Bhaktivinoda Paribar in some circles. I want to be able to, you know, stand up for what our Paribar says. And so I would study in that regard and, and so on. Um, but anyway, that's, that's my, my, my general answer. I hope it's helpful. A really nice answer, Gurumaj. Uh The next one is from Ganga Shakti. She says, good morning, Gurumaj Pranam. Many years ago, I read a book on the topic of spiritual divorce and was drawn to the idea of seeing God as one's husband and thus the main source of support and protection. I remembered it recently and was wondering how to translate this idea to the language of of our philosophy, especially as we don't aspire to become Krishna's spouses. Our philosophy also encourages us to rely on Krishna. So could you please give us more specific and practical direction about how to look at it and how to picture it in our minds? Thank you. Well, um, there's a couple of points that come to mind from your question, one of which is um, that if one is pursuing Gopi Bhav, one does want to have Krishna as one's husband. Mm-hmm. It's peculiar because we want Parakya Bhav in Radha Dasyam, right? But Radha wants, wants to be married to Krishna. All the gopis... Well, I guess you could say it's, you're right. It's not, it doesn't work with our sampradaya because the, 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 the type of Madhurya Rasa that is advocated within Gaudiya Vaishnavism is the, uh, to become a handmaiden of Radha and not want to have direct union with Krishna, but only to facilitate her union. So it's true. We don't want, that but but Radha wants to marry other gopis want to marry hmm? marry Krishna um, uh, then that's part of the parakya you know of course, but of course the parakya the circumstances get in the way and they cause the parakya and and that's that's considered to be um, have a features that Swakya or married life doesn't so anyway uh, you're right um we even in Gopi Bhav, our ideal is not to marry Krishna, although we would think he is the most ideal person to marry, for sure. But I think that the the the, um, the, the book that you're referencing uh, really 
uh, speaks in a in obviously in much broader terms and in terms of a um, marital relationship that socially speaking is uh, something from a majority perspective more more in the past mm-hmm. that the wife serves the husband I mean, when I was young uh, the, the women all the mothers uh, it, it would be very it would be an exception to find a mother working mm-hmm. she'd be taking care of kids the father would be winning the bread as they would say coming home and he would want to see the bread on the table <laughs> right um I remember when my mother had this gumption to get it to get work and become a real estate person, and, and she present and made made a case to my father and so on and so forth. And he he gave in, and she did. And she became very successful. It's an interesting story, but uh, it's uh, brief in relation to the, to the discussion. So, and, and of course, in this is Western culture, and in India, um, similarly was was that was the was the idea, and so. Uh, the wife would be provided for, the husband would be a provider, right? Mm-hmm. She would serve the husband, the husband would provide, everything works fine. Um, um, was So that's probably, you know, the way the book is, is talking about it. Um, and these days it's common for women to work and, and women have uh, more place, so they can vote, they can do you know anything they can they can be the president in our country and our uh, other nations and we even had Indira Gandhi the prime minister of India for you know for many many for decades so um, anyway um, social norms today aside and in the past as well I think this is the more the model that's being talked about there and so I think we need to look at it more. Uh, rather than in terms of rasa, in terms of sharanagati. And without sharanagati, there's no rasa. So sharanagati is the culture of dependence, the very central focus of the sixfold sharanagati, goputve varanam tata, is dependence upon Krishna. Krishna is my maintainer. He's taking care of, he, he's the provider. He's the purusha. I'm... I'm Prakriti, uh, something like that. Um, so I think that, that um, that's the way to think of it. And there would be no harm in thinking, you know, uh, in, in a more, uh, in, in a way that as a husband, but, you know, the, the, those social norms are, are, are different now. And uh, it's more of an older way of thinking. I'm sure plenty of women still think like that, and they're, they're happy with that, too. Um, um, but, um, but I, I wouldn't, uh, um, try to look at it from a Rossic point of view. And, and as you point out, you know, in your, in your question, the golden Gopi Bob is not to marry Krishna. It's to, it's to, it's to try to unite Radharani with Krishna and, and Krishna with Radharani in the midst of a parakia um, setting. So again, um, look at it in terms of an advocacy of Sharanagati, which is very useful. That this, this should be very central 
to our uh, stage of sadhana bhakti. We want to become a sharanagata. As I often say, sharanagata is the dramatic stage, if you will, on which the drama of Krishna Lila is performed. Hmm? Therefore, sarvadharman prityachamamekam, sharanam braja. Take shelter of me only. Hmm? Surrender to me. Surrender. This is what the Gita is saying. To me alone. Don't depend on uh, the gods and goddesses for your well-being. Just on me. Hmm? I'm the pati. Hmm? I'm the master. I'm the husband. Hmm? I'm the provider. I'm the purusha. Hmm? And the complete purusha. Other words, those who, others who provide uh, depend upon me in order to be able to provide and so on and so forth. So I would look at it in terms of an advocacy of Sharanagati. All right, thank you. Next question is from Sadvi. And uh, my question is about uh, generally about uh, karma and its impact on our spiritual practice because it feels like sometimes when some let's say karma is over some part of our karma which was a heavy load on us and then it feels suddenly such a, an amazing relief but that the horizon opens up and then we can actually have more energy and enthusiasm to, to practice spiritual life. So is somehow uh, it feels that we are, we are very dependent also on our karma to, to practice our spiritual life. So, I mean, in that sense, it looks like we have to wait for our heavy karma a little bit to... I mean, not to stop completely, but to be less, to diminish, in order to actually have more like energy and space to practice spiritual life. Is it somehow dependent? I mean, we are dependent on it, it feels like. What would you say about it? I'm not sure entirely what you're asking, but I think that um, uh, the situation for the devotee is that uh, he or she has karmic implications and is seeking a solution to the whole uh, karmic life where you take and therefore you owe, you take and therefore you owe, right? So we stop taking and we start giving and we give to Krishna. And even if you were to stop taking altogether and give only to Krishna, which is kind of the where we're trying to move to when we speak of the sadhaka day, the practitioner's body being a work in progress, Vishwana Chakrapatitakwa says, sometimes the body made up of senses, sometimes the senses will be in contact with sense objects for the purpose of that sense alone, hmm? rather than for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. And sometimes that sense will be in touch with sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna, rather than for the sense itself. The latter is the spiritual goal and the former is something that we're trying to get away from but the sadhaka day of the practitioner's body is a mixture of both because as I say it's a work in progress right so sometimes you're uh, uh, interacting with sense objects sense objects for the the pleasure of the sense itself and sometimes 
you're interacting with sense objects with your senses for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. So, um, um, so let us say that, that you you're completely only acting with your senses for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. There still may be some karmic residue that the that the that bhakti is dealing with. Hmm? Goswami says that if you let us say you want to string a garland. Hmm? With flower petals, so you stick, the, you get, you know, hundred petals like this, and, and then you stick a pin and goes right through, right? Mm-hmm. So bhakti removes karma like that, just like the pin goes in and it's done. But then do it in slow motion now, and each petal has to be pierced by the pin. Each petal slowly, slowly, slowly. So sometimes it said it's all at once because we're looking at it from a little broader perspective. Mm-hmm. The guru might be looking from a broader perspective and see, yes, no problem. I'm everything you're dissolving your karma. But it's going, you're in slow motion, it's going pedal by pedal by pedal. So there is a gradual uh, removal of the karmic um, implications from the past. And that karmic residue, if you will, has an impact on our ability to practice. I think that's, that's what you're saying. And so sometimes, so sometimes we go ahead, and then we meet kind of a wall of opposition, and we can't seem to go any further. You kind of got to back up and go at it again, something like that, and um, and and understand that, you know, that that's exactly what you're dealing with. And and you know you you, you 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 try to look at it, and there's there's another way to look at it, and you can try to look at it like that. That well, Krishna's arranging this, you know, in my life. So it, so I, I don't understand exactly why, but it seems to be an obstacle. So I will take it that there must be a silver lining, and um, tolerate and and so forth. And that attitude is said to be very um it's 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 a way of turning negatives into positives. It's a philosophical perspective. It's easier said than done. It's it's not it's 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 one thing to tolerate uh, impediments, it's another thing to embrace them. As like, well, this is great. This is coming, it's ending my karma. And I'm, uh, this, uh, this guy did this to me, and it's, it's terrible, but it's fantastic because I'm not, I'm gonna re- not gonna react to it because it's gonna retire my karmic relationship with him and so forth. But that takes some standing, spiritual standing to be able to, uh, to do that, right? So, so, uh, you know, yeah, it's a gradual, uh, gradual process and karma's there, what we try not to do is like to use Prabhupada's example is plug the fan back in. Because he said if you pull the plug of a fan out, the fan will still go around because it has its momentum. It's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. But if you plug it back in, you know, then it's going to go again. So therefore we have some parameters in which we, our guru has given us to live within certain principles to abide by and chanting and, and so forth. That's kind of like keep, keep the fan, um, uh, unplugged, so to speak. Uh, so I don't know if I'm answering your question. It's a little vague, but um, yeah, kind of, my difficulty is not so much to to see that 
certain difficulties coming and I accept, okay, there is a certain like arrangement behind it, but I feel like so covered that I don't realize if I have unplugged the plug or not, like because of being so covered because of the heavy load. I mean, it's, it's rather like feeling of illusion and super cover because of the pressure of, of the karma rather than, okay, accept the impediments or in the difficulties. Keep chanting. <laughs> That's why you have to have some regimen of spiritual practice that, you know, that you just don't, you know, that you, that doesn't, that doesn't move, you know, that's the hub, something like that. Even if you can't do it attentively, you just keep coming back to that hub. Uh, and for us, for Prabhupada's disciples, it was always chant 16 rounds, all these you know, he had a certain formula, this particular, and there was, there was more to it usually, you know, with the Mongol Arctic, but it was a different situation. We were all living in, in communities centered around deities at the time and so forth. But, but there were, regardless of what would happen, if you're doing it right, you know, then you, you'd have that that bedrock kind of uh, practice that 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 everything orbited around. You have to come back to that. So then you then you'll then you'll be uh, you won't be plugging back in. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. So the next question is from Madhunam, I think from Chile. He says, Hare Krishna Gurudev, I hope you are in good health. I have a question regarding the Adhikar of a Sadhaka. When one listens to a pastime of Krishna or when chanting, one may meditate, I am remembering the Leela. But actually one is only remembering the words that describe the Leela and not the Leela itself. So is it possible that a Sadhaka tries to artificially perform a higher level of Kirtan beyond his eligibility or Adhikar? And what would be the distinction between smaranam, as in bhakti anga, and vikalpa, or imagination? Could you please give us your understanding of this? Well, uh, the difference between imagination and what's the other alternative? Actual smaranam. Smaranam. In a broad sense, is that is that uh, imagination is not uh, grounded in. In, in the scripture, hmm? uh, there, there may be room for imagination within the scriptural parameters. Let's say what bhakti rasa is. Let's say you decide to have a conjugal relationship with Narasimhadev. Well, you know, you're imagining something that's not doesn't it's not grounded in reality. You, you're, you're chasing after a, um, uh, a horse with wings, right? You're trying to put a square peg in a round hole, so. You have the scriptural parameters, basically, and then uh, within that, what the possibilities are, right? Outside of that, well, there's imagination going on. Now there, there is a there is a way in which um, imagination is a positive, um, and um, it's good to have some imagination, some spiritual imagination, as to my ideal, if I have an ideal, imagine what it may be like based on what the scripture says and so forth. Um, and I may imagine that 
if I was in the Leela, I would rise in the morning, I'd be wakened by Balaram's horn, uh, you know. Uh, this is this is kind of like chintyabhav instead of a chintyabhav. It's something that you're conceiving with the mind and intelligence that's totally in accordance with scripture that and which has been blessed, you've been blessed to do by the guru. Hmm? Hmm? That that um, that serves as a practice that will eventually turn into achintyabhav, the actual experience that's beyond conceptualization of the mind and so forth. Hmm? So one leads to the other, hmm? and the and the, and the former, the chintyabhav, is 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 um, is kind of a you know let's call it a, a bona fide imagination, if you will. Um, uh, as much as you could conceive of it, what it would be what would it be like with the mind, how you would how would Krishna would be pleased by this, you know? And uh, I mean, I mean, it requires some understanding, right? Of the of the of the scripture, um, so you know. There's a, there, we're back to that question. The first question, the purpose of studying the scripture. So there it comes again. Um, you know, what is the nature? You become interested. What is the nature of rasa tattva? How does it work? How does it not work? Uh, and, and so on. Somebody says to me, "I like. I, I want to be. You know, a you know a gopi." So, oh, well, good. You know, what, what is your understanding? How does he be gopi Balram? You know. And, and, you know, I mean, then you go, well, wait a minute here, you know, what's the possibility of that? What gopi would you follow? You know, we don't even know any names of any gopis. Is that, that's Swakiya, not Parakiya. What are you talking, do you know what you're talking about here? And you realize that's just, it's just a sentiment on the part of the person, right? So you need to help ground that devotee in the teaching, understanding. And then as much as one is grounded in that, then there's the possibility of that. You know, if you have, um, if, if in consultation with the guru, one expresses some sentiments, the guru says, acknowledges those are those are bona fide, and 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 and, and gives some advice, and so forth, and then we, we we come to the conclusion: I will pursue gopi bhav. This is my ideal. And the guru gives the blessing. Hmm. Then that's acceptance, barandas. Hmm. You've accepted. I've accepted. This is my. This is this is what I, I'm not deviating from this. This is, and then and there's some place for for growing and, and cultivating that. Um, um, but um, one should not be that kind of culture. Should be should be an aid to the chanting. Hmm. Everything's in the name, right? Your form is in the name. The form of Krishna is in the name. The qualities of Krishna are in the name. His associates are all in the name. So it comes back to, uh, you know, Nam Bhajan, Nam Chintamani. Hmm. There's a beautiful prayer, by Bhakti, poem by Bhakti Bhakti, I forget the name of it, but uh, where he describes how how this, his Siddha Day will be revealed by, by, the, by, by the name and so forth. Um, so you know, to have an orientation hmm, with regard to hearing the scriptures. Well, uh, we read this, this about Krishna Leela. We, we we should be learning philosophical points from the Leela. 
points of the tattva, how it works, hmm? what fits, what doesn't fit, and so forth. Um, it's just like if you watch a movie and you and you're a drama student, you're going to see things that other people don't see, right? Hmm? And you're going to be able to talk about it and comment about, you know, why that was there in that corner and that the light was on it only halfway and then the light went out. You know, it was really being said there with the what the producer, what the director, what the writer was trying to depict and so forth. So writing, reading, reading Krishna Leela should be something like that hmm? um, under good guidance. It, 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 it gets, it really acquaints us with how it all, all works. And then the ability to engage in Chintyabhav, if you will, that kind of, uh, uh, as I spoke about it, becomes um, possible and, and an aid Without that, then it's already just speculative, imaginative, and and a problem. Um, but I think that you know you get this kind of question a fair amount of time. That that's that's um, uh, there has been a strong emphasis on not jumping ahead and for good reason but it may be overdone also and then you 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 get into these kind of a lot of these kind of questions come from that it's a little overdone i think i present these things in such a way that it's very balanced it's not overdone there's sufficient caution and there's now step on the brake now step on the gas it's not like always step on the brake you know never step on the gas um I'm trying to give, you know, a balanced perspective on it because I've seen both ends of the spectrum emphasized in a way that becomes, um, you know, problematic. Um, uh, let's say with regard to the stages of bhakti, so nishta. Nishta should include a fixed goal. Hmm? Hmm. It's finished as well-reasoned bhakti, very well-reasoned bhakti, acquainted with the sufficiently with the scripture, maybe not in all kinds of refined details, but sufficiently with the basic arguments and 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 therefore the practice is consistent because one's intelligence is not taking one away, as I say. Then fix the goal. Then if ruchi and asakti come, well, everything becomes natural. So. How to get to Nishta? Well, you have to unplug and so forth to get to Nishta. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of gray in all of this, too. You know, So uh, I think there should be a, a study. You, your question is regarding reading about Krishna Leela. You say, I'm reading Leela, I'm reading the words, I'm not really taking part, I'm not really in meditation. You're not in a meditative experience of the Leela. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the reading of it and understanding it properly and so forth um, uh, uh, well, prepares one you know, for that, if you will. So there's a place for it. You can't just say, well, you know, I call it, it's a type of smarnam. Hmm? It's a type of smarnam. Let, let, you know, okay, let's take the Prakat Leela, okay? Where was Krishna born? Let's get some of the details. How old is he here? How old is he there? You know, this is a form of smarnam. It's not Leela Smarnam 
in the deepest sense of the term, Yuga Goswami, Yuga Goswami is given a whole gradation of smaranam, right? Hmm? Simple remembering about Krishna. Well, it's, it's, it's a smaranam. Hmm? And you study about him and how, how the, he did this at this time, he did this at this time. And so, so that's useful. Hmm? Um, uh, so, uh, uh, simple smar, I, mean, I forget all the terms that he gives, but when you get to, you know, Dhyan, Dharna Dhyan, uh, Dhruvanu Smriti, uh, Samadhi. You can't just sit down and do Dhruvanu Smriti or Samadhi. But you might be able to sit down and do uh, uh, simple Dhyan, like, okay, let's say you like Gopi Bhav, you know, so, um, uh, you know, you're going to chant Hare Krishna. Let's say you like Gopa Bhav, you want to be a Gopa, so you think, Okay, how will I be, how will I become a gopa? I'm on, I'm on my chanting. I, 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 this is my ideal. My guru Maharaj has blessed me with this. I had some inkling, or I just got inspired by his perspective on it. Let's say, for example, if your guru is, is such, then uh, okay, well, you know, here's a valuable. Let's take a prayer from Bhakti Binod. What does he say? Hene din amar ki hoi be udai. Heri bogo drumalila shuddha prema moai gopo sange gopo bhave prabhu sebase ekomani voshiva sego drum ase. says, Oh, Hena Dean, what day, when, when will the, Udai, when will the day dawn? Hena Dean Amar, when will that day be mine. When will the dawn uh, of the day uh, appear uh, in my life in which hmm, that, uh, the, that I will witness the lila hmm, that is shuddha, uh, shuddha prem, hmm, that is full of pure prem and godrum. Hmm. This is a gore lila, right? Hmm. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when will I witness Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going in the Godroom? Hmm? And the, the experience in the Godroom, Leela, Godroom is, 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 you know, is Nandagram. Hmm? It's full of Sakyarasa. Hmm? He says, Gopab Sange Gopab Hare, Prabhu Seva Ase. There, in Ekamani Vashiva, Se Godrooma Vase. And uh, with one minded focus, I will serve Prabhu Gaur, hmm? uh, living, uh, living in Godrum. Godrum will be become when let, become my resident. I'll witness um, uh, the, the wonderful uh, coward Leelas, Krishna through Gaur Leela. So this is going through Gaur Leela. This is very valuable. So so one can chant this and then chant Hare Krishna. And then one after, after one finishes once round, one can say to a monomilani by Abhashe Shukupai, Kocharani Guri Dinbor, Kotavani Chutta Chuti Vani Kai Lutuputi Shedin Kore Hore Mor. This is a similar meditation from Prabhupada and now on the Krishna Leela. When hmm? can I enter the Leela and herd cows with you all Leela? Well, that, well, that, when will that day be mine? Same thing. So, you know, this is very. This is not imagination. This is not speculation. This is not beyond your adhikar. If the guru has given you these prayers, he's, he's, and, and 
suggest I'm here. I'm giving it to everybody. If you want, take these. These are practical. This is not uh, imitating Haridas Stakur and sitting down and pretending you're doing Krishna smart. And you, and you know, you have your own conditioning to tell you where you're at. I mean, just be honest. It's not difficult. Hmm? But because I know where I'm at like this, I don't have a taste or I'm distracted by this or that, doesn't mean I can't do what I just spoke to you about. When you sit sit down and chant Hare Krishna, hmm? you, you know, put the, 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 the substance of the sandwich of your chanting, the, the actual names between these two pieces of bread, you know, <laughs> something like that. Hmm? And it will become a meal. All right, what else? That was really good, Guru Maharaj. Uh, something that came to me was that basically, I guess what you were saying is that this like scripturally informed imagination is actually beneficial for your progress. And I wonder if some part of why we as Westerners have some resistance to that idea is because both in Islam and Christianity and also in Judaism, like we come from that tradition and they very strongly make this point that if you impose any kind of mental image of God or, or even like draw the face of God or anything like that, that that's like idol idolatry in itself. So they basically they have this idea that you can't think about God because they, and they have no details about God that much, at least that much in their scriptures, but we have the details. And so we can use our, imagination to actually make spiritual progress which is like antithetical to the abrahamic religion's idea about thinking about god it's an interesting point i don't know how much uh devotees are affected by that but it's possible but i think another factor in it is is that Prabhupada's emphasis on no spec no mental speculation so there's almost like some devotees have taken it mean don't think don't think you're speculating prabhu you know but you know, philosophical speculation, that's another thing, you know, theological speculation. So he's, he's also separating, like we said earlier, cable yukti, you know, and, 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 and shasha yukti. Now, imagination may not be the best word to use, hmm? because it has certain, imagination means it's not real. Hmm? You imagine it. It's not real. You're imagining it. You're making it up. Hmm? Um, so there may be a better better word to use. I mean, I use the term chintibhav, you know, the conceiving of the bhav with the, with with your mental faculties as it has been presented, hmm? conceiving of the bhav. So you know, maybe that is a better way to talk about it. But it but it but it it is you know, Goloka is Krishna's imagination. <laughs> That's another. Whatever he imagines, it happens. You know. It, 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 and in, 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 of course, there's the, the liberated faculty. One of them are, is such a sankalpa, whatever you imagine, it happens. Hmm. So, um, but this is coming from the Atma. Hmm. Oh, anyway. yeah. yeah. I kind of actually like that word imagination because when you think about it, like whatever is in our mind is somehow referenced by our experiences. So we can't think beyond our experiences, whether it's from a previous life or from this life. And so, like, basically, it seems to me then that we're, like, uh, kind of projecting our own experience to the lila, the way we hear it in the scriptures. And it's a kind of like a placeholder for, for what it's yeah. actually going to be like. But it still makes us make progress. And it's such a nice idea instead of this idea that you can't think about God. Don't, don't, you know? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, the Abrahamic traditions say, you know, God has no face or you can't think about God, can't say the name of God, I think, in Judaism and so forth. And all these things are just basically saying that God is beyond word, beyond thought. And, uh, you know, Krishna, Krishna Lila, Narayan, Vaikuntha, that's beyond thought, I can tell you that. I, nobody could have thought of that one. <laughs> that had to become from revelation, you know. You, I don't know, you could have made that all up, you know. But anyway, yeah, your point is well taken. So we have a few minutes. Is there another question? Uh, there's actually three more questions. Uh, but let's see. They might be kind of shorter questions. So Subal, Krishna Chaitanya, and uh, Kanuram have a question about Akrura. From the area you have done. Yeah, can't quite hear you there. I can hear you partially. You're breaking up. Hello? You guys, it's it's quite bad. You can type it in the chat, and I can read it up, read it out if you uh, can. If the connection's too weak. Hey. Yeah. The, I'll type it in the yeah. chat. Okay. I can hear you now. I can't. Yeah. I think, yeah, probably better if they write it in the chat because it probably goes, comes and goes. So let's uh, ask the next question while we wait for them to type it up. So that's from Krishna Kanaya. And she says, I have a question about the founders of different religious traditions. Often in educational materials, for example, the founder of Christianity is said to be Jesus, of Islam, Muhammad, of Buddhism, Siddhartha Gautama. I am then asked... In one word, who is the founder of so-called Hinduism? Tricky, I find it, or maybe not. I know the question gives room for a lot of depth, depth, but is it even possible to answer it in one word? Brahma, Krishna, Vishnu? Well, God is the founder of all religions, is he not? Thank you. Yeah, there are different ways to think about that. I mean, Hinduism is is broad and has many schools within it. And so there are founders founders of different schools within it, but all of them are drawing their understanding from the sacred texts, right? So we could refer to the sacred texts and say Vyas hmm, is the founder of Hinduism because he has given the texts that are the basis of Hinduism that have that lend themselves to different nuanced interpretations while there is common ground in all those interpretations, all those interpretations, for example, say you're not the body, there's reincarnation, and so on and so forth. And then there are, then within that, there are some differences. And then, and then, of course, the text, properly understood, tells us that the nature of transcendence is, for that matter, variegated. So there, and there are many faces of God. So it's a, it's a, it's a very different type of religion in a sense, than um, uh, uh, Christianity or, or Islam, which is just one, it's one particular faith. Uh, Hinduism is a pluralism, is, 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 is a plural, a plural, you know, uh, not a singular faith, it's, a, it's pluralistic. There are a number of faiths, it posits a transcendence, it's variegated, and so there are different paths, uh, you know, to those different uh, levels or stages uh, 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 entry into transcendence. But again, 
all of them, I'd say in all of the schools of Vedanta, they all draw from from the uh, from the sacred text of Vyasa. So you could say Vyasa is the founder of Hinduism, the legendary Vyasa. All right. And uh, let's see, is there a question in the chat? It is not there yet. So the next question is from Guy. That last question too. That, and then there are founders of the different forms of Hinduism, you know, within it. Like Chaitanya is the founder of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Madhva this, Ramanuja that, Shankar that, and so forth. I'm sorry. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's just a quick comment. Like, you could say that the Abrahamic religions are like Hinduism. Then there's within those religions, there's Islam and Christianity who have their own founders. Similar thing, it seems. Yeah. Good. Uh, so, yes, Gayatri has a question. Thank you. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Um, I'm sorry if there's a lot of sound in the background, but this is literally the quietest place I could find. Um, so, on Friday, on Friday night, I attended a class by... Radhanath Maharaj, and um, he was, um, you know, speaking on the Ratha Yatra, and he was encouraging everyone to regularly check in with themselves how we can render loving service and devotion to Krishna, um, and that's how we stay, you know, focused and advanced spiritually by try to render loving service and devotion. But I just don't understand how. How can I know if I'm rendering loving service and devotion or if I'm just pleasing my senses? Because when it comes to service, we can pick and choose the things that we like. But like, how, how do I harmonize this in my mind? How to, so that I, I do selfless service and not just selfish service. Well, I think you pick the things that, that, that you like and you work with your conditioning. Um, if they are all things that are pleasure, pleasurable to Krishna, uh, let's say you live in an ashram and, you know, there are a number of chores for the day that uh, or services to be done and, and you get to choose. And so you pick the one that you, you know, you have a, that, that works with your nature and so forth. That's, uh, that's wise. Hmm? And that's not being selfish. Um, but then when the occasion arises where, you have to, you don't have a choice in the matter, but you have to do something that's not pleasurable, then you accept that, uh, equally, hmm? purification. And so you don't have to go after situations, you know, that, that make it more difficult for you. Hmm? It's better to go after situations that work more readily with your conditioned nature. Bhakti is very friendly and so forth. So there are all kinds of things that you can do. Hmm? So the implication of that, in one sense, for sadhaka is that, it, that it, it's, it's, it's understanding your conditioning and, and saying, work with it. Krishna says, I'll work with you. You know, come to me. I'll work with you. You know, you, you like this? You can do that for me. You know, um, it's, it's not that you have to put down the things that you like hmm, to do for Krishna when the opportunity arises for you to do them for Krishna, to do other things that only chooses things you don't like um, to do. Take advantage of the of the of the the fact that bhakti is is is, is user friendly, but when the occasion arises, um, otherwise, uh, to do something that's you know not pleasing in my senses, I do it anyway. Otherwise, besides that, you know, chanting Hare Krishna is also serving Krishna. So you should chant. Think I'm going to chant for the pleasure of Radha and Krishna. Hmm. Hmm. 
My ideal is to unite Radha and Krishna. Let me chant their names hmm, for their pleasure, just for the pleasure of Krishna, uh, for the pleasure of your guru. I used to chant, think I don't really, you know, I realize Prabhupada gets a lot out of these names more than I can. So let me just chant in a way that will please him. Hmm. And that was very useful. <laughs> uh, that, that So you could think along those lines. Um, does that help? Yes, that helps a lot. Thank you, Boris. Yeah. Okay, that's it for the questions today. I think Subal and Krishna Chaitanya and Kanaram are going to ask their question um, next week. Okay, nice to be with you all. Yeah. Thank you very much.